You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with intern Sting, Lance Daw, and Levi Fitzwater. No Noah today. He's out calling Lee Scott Baseball. ESPN 106.7 Fox Sports Central Alabama. We want to hear from you. Call us in, 334-321-1390. I'll say it again, 334-321-1390. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be lazy. My mind's on the draft today, so we want to hear from you. We need to hear from you, 334-321-1390. And if you don't want to hear about the draft, call in, give us something else to talk about, because that's what I'm going to want to talk about later on, more or less in hour number two. we got a couple Auburn topics we're going to hit on Earlier today, some baseball. We got behind enemy lines with intern Sting and his farewell send-off week. We're going to ship him out, give him a nice Viking death over on the Lake <laughs> Harding area. I'm going to take him out. my favorite funeral, man, is the Viking funeral. I'm going to take him out to Beulah, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put him down, throw him out on the Lake <laughs> Viking funeral, or maybe just take him out Old Yeller style. I hadn't figured that out yet. There you go. But in baseball news, you got Kansas City Royals still top of the baseball. Can't hear anybody else down there. You know, former MVP, probably a fraud, Freddie Freeman, getting struck out by Anthony Rizzo <laughs> last Rizzo. night. Oh, man. <laughs> on a slow curve. And mm, NC Dino. It was 60 miles an hour. It was like a like 60 that? miles an hour breaking ball. Solid they, 60 mile an hour pitch. They yeah. were all laughing. Braves won. They were up. It didn't really matter. And I mean, the NC Dinos finally back to 11 and 11 in the Korean baseball there organization, go. two games back out of first place to defend their title and the sword. Gentlemen, how are y'all doing today? I'm doing good. My, my, my family was actually at that Braves game last night, and they called me on the way home. They was like, yeah, we're going to go ahead and leave. They're up uh, against the Cubs like 10 nothing already, and I'm a Cubs fan. My mom is actually a Cubs fan. Uh, so it's kind of kind of disappointing to see that the Cubs kind of kind of slacking off recently. You know, ever since that title in 2016, they've not really done a whole lot. Um, but the fact that Rizzo is out there striking out uh, Freddie Freeman is, is absolutely hilarious to me, and I don't care that we get blown out. It's 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 still it's a, it's awesome. I'll take it. Yeah, it, it was nice to see. It's fun to see every time. How do you feel about Bloopy? Do you like the mascot Bloopy? I've seen Big Cat on Twitter is not a fan of Bloopy, the Braves mascot, because he has been arrogant and he has been teasing him as mascots typically do. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm for or against Bloopy. I, I'd just say he's just kind of, and eh, he's just kind of there. I'm not, I'm not feeling either way. Uh, I'm, I'm content with the fact that he's there, but I, I don't, I don't want him gone. Do you guys love mascots or hate mascots? Because there's like, mascots. A, okay, so there's a sect of people who like hate mascots. Here's my opinion on mascots. I like Aubby not because I'm an Auburn fan, but because whenever you, whenever I look at him, I don't get scared, intimidated, or <laughs> or I feel like I'm about to die. Have you looked at Western Kentucky's mascot? Oh yeah, like it, big it, red, big red. It's just I a love lump. Big red. It's just a big lump. Big red is is. Mm, it's no, red grimace. I don't. Yeah, I don't want that coming after me, bro. Aubby like. I don't know if it's because I've gotten to interact with Aubby before, or if it's just I'm an Auburn fan. And I've just grown up around it, but like. Outside of him, I look at other D1 mascots across the country, and it's like Clemson's tiger is terrifying because of its yeah, eyes. It, so, like, 
That he he does a little bit more than just you know cheer for football on the side. He has extracurricular hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> I think it includes having rabies. Um, but I, I think I think outside of Aubie, who just actually won his tenth national championship. Um, I, I don't really care much for we're, mascots. We're, we're a mascot school. We are a mascot school. We are a mascot we school, a, and he always wins. He, I mean, he wins a pretty good bid. What did you say? The 10th one that he won this I believe it was his 10th. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. It was number 10. Have yeah, you guys like, seen the Fighting Okra mascot? I do like Fighting that. Okra. I like the really Fighting cool Okra. ones. Uh, the one that scares me, the one that like absolutely terrifies me the most, it's Kansas City. It's Willie the Wildcat because it's the big wildcat head. With it a guy. a little freaky. And then it's just a guy with normal human arms and a football uniform, and that one freaks me out. Me and... uh. Me and my brother, we actually have this little like bit that we do back and forth where anytime I see, it's typically in professional sports, I see a mascot that I didn't know they had, like the Magic, like the Orlando Magic when they have one, or like some other basketball team, you see the mascot and you say, oh, they have like an actual live mascot, and I send it, it to him, yeah. and then you send it to him, and he's like, well, I didn't know this was a thing, I mean... <laughs> Like Sir Purr at Carolina. I mean, a lot of people. I kind of like Sir Purr. I mean, Robbie Anderson thought he was a bear. I mean, he didn't even know that. (laughs) He does. He does kind of look like a bear. As far as live mascots go, like usually I'm not mad at it. Like the fact that LSU had a tiger, like an actual tiger is like, it's, that's dope. There's no other way to put it. That's just cool. Uh, George's mascot. I'm not necessarily, I'm not, I'm not big on bulldogs, but, and you know, it's cute. I'm, I'm happy with it. Outside of the couple instances that we've seen uh, them, them bark and, and get after our, our Auburn players, you That's know, true. try to attack them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you, I think more of the human-based mascots should have live human mascots that are in cages. Like I think West Virginia <laughs> should keep an actual mountaineer in a cage. Well, or they like, do have a Notre Dame. Dude, I mean, there's a guy yeah, like Notre in Dame. In the like, well, no, no, but they should be kept in the cages like the other animals, or walked around on a leash. There like I go. think that I think that's only fair. It's only right? fair, right? Because like if if Uga has to be on a leash. Then the Mountaineer for West Virginia or the Leprechaun for Notre Dame, he should have to be walked around on a leash as well. They're just mascots. They're not real. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know how we got on the mascot talk, but I- I'm here for it. I always love it. We're going to try to shift this into something a little bit more relevant. We're going to talk about some Auburn recruiting. Lance, told, Lance came in today talking about how there's a little bit of division, maybe, among some Auburn fans about what they want to do. Lance, you want to talk to him about that a little bit? Yeah, so over the past couple of days uh, on The Drive, which is the show right after us, you can catch it on ESPN 106.7 right here, but they've been talking to some fans that are, are, are disgruntled with Sean Shiver's performance over the last couple of seasons, and I've heard fans call in and be like, why is Auburn not going after a transfer running back, or how's this Jarquez Hunter guy from Mississippi going to do? Is he going to usurp Shivers at that number two spot because they don't think that he is a capable runner? back and I've had I've seen other callers come in and be like well actually maybe Auburn should go after a receiver because we're looking at this receiver room after a day and being like goodness gracious these guys need time to develop we need to bring in a transfer or some somebody that has a little bit of experience even if it's not at a power five level that can go out there and actually make catches um so I'm gonna I'm just gonna break some numbers down here for you real quick to just kind of give you an idea of what we're looking at on Auburn's roster this season Five receivers return that made a catch. Four of them are on scholarship. Those are Shedrick Jackson, Kobe Hudson, Zevion Capers, Elijah Canyon, and Jackson McFadden. 24 receptions, 315 yards, and two touchdowns combined between those five players. That's all of Auburn's receiver production that is returning this season. At the tight end position, four tight ends return with a catch. All of them are on scholarship. That's John Samuel Schenker, J.J. Begees, Luke Deal, Brandon Frazier. 20 receptions, 178 yards, 
and zero touchdowns. Auburn needs a pass catcher desperately to either emerge in fall camp that's already in the receiver room, or they need to go after this summer and get a, a, I would prefer actually a group of five player that has stood out, like somebody from like Louisiana Tech. I know they've always had pretty good receivers in the past. Um, somebody like, get a Sunbelt player, get an Arkansas State receiver. We know how good their scheme is. I think Auburn should be going after that instead of a backup running back. Something else I would like to mention is that John Samuel Schenker actually re- leads all returning pass, pass catchers with 97 yards. More than the receivers, more than the running backs, a tight end is coming back to Auburn, leading the team in returning that's yards. Terrible. I mean, that, that's terrible. That's after like that's also taking into account that we like Auburn has not used the tight exactly. end position. Like that's how bad. Like in scope, that's why that's so bad. Typically, if you have a guy coming back where you're thinking, "Oh, our tight end has been leading us in receiving yards," that's pretty good. You're probably looking at an NFL prospect, right. but then. You put it into perspective, and you're thinking, "Oh no, that's, that's actually 97 yards." <laughs> oh no, that's 97 yards. And Not that's even actually terrible. Right. That's actually terrible. So, looking at the running back position, I've heard callers come in and be like, "Sean Shivers isn't your typical number two guy. He's easily tack- tackleable. Like he can, he's he's brought down easily. I don't think he, he is. He has that home run ability, but it, it's not been shown. That's what I've heard from callers. And here's my thing: I'm not a Sean Shivers stan. I don't. I'm not pro Sean Shivers, but I'm not. I don't want him out of there as the number two guy. Looking at his numbers, what would you say is acceptable for a number two running back in Division One? What would you say is acceptable yardage-wise, carries-wise, touchdowns-wise? I, I would say probably between 200 and 500 yards, I would think. Yeah. And yeah maybe I mean, a like couple so, of touchdowns. They so just need to be a good guy in relief. Shivers, in his first season with Auburn, was the third or fourth string running back. He had 371 yards. Two seasons ago, he was the fourth string running back. He had 286 yards. Last season, as the as the third string running back, before DJ Williams got hurt in a 10-11 game season, I'm sorry, he had 276 yards. So while he's lost uh, yardage in production as the years have gone on, he's still been at least third string running back having that production. In 2019, had he not had that hit in the Iron Bowl, people would probably forget about him. Um, but I feel like looking at DJ Williams' numbers before he was injured, 38 attempts, 199 yards, and three touchdowns combined, that's 475 yards and four touchdowns. I firmly believe that if Sean Shivers was able to carry an extra 38 times, he would be able to get to about 470, 500 yards, and, and that's, what an, that's what a backup halfback does. Another concern that people have among the Auburn fan base is that, well, if Tank goes down, then we don't have a number two guy. I believe that Sean Shivers and Jarquez Hunter and Devin Barrett are all going to be able to get enough touches to where Auburn can do it by committee and figure out who's the best overall guy. I think we've got somebody in that in, in Devin Barrett that can that can do that consistently. I firmly believe that. I think he's going to develop, and by the time we get to fall camp, Devin Barrett will have shifted and will be comfortable in that running back spot. So I'm not concerned about this running back room for now because I don't. As of right now, Tank is healthy. I want to go after the spots that need production and that's the receiver room yeah and i i 100 like i agree with everything you're saying and we also we want to hear from you guys out there like what do you what do y'all think do you think that we should go after a running back do you think we should go after a wide receiver in you know some of the transfer markets and whatnot give us a call 334-321-1390 you can also mention us on twitter we'll get around to seeing that at daw pound that's and, right and at levi fitzwater Your twitter i handle. would give out my phone number to let you guys text me but when you've had the same phone number since 2005, 
I get enough telemarketers as it is. Mm-hmm. I don't need people telling calling me and telling me that I'm, you know, I'm just over there. No, I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't need y'all messing with my phone number. Yeah, get give us a call. You know, give us a call. We'll uh, we'll talk what you want to talk about. We want to hear you guys' opinion. Mention us on Twitter if you don't feel like calling in. Even if you don't want to talk, call in. Tell Sting he'll answer what you want us to talk about, and then we'll talk about it for you. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Lance. I think that it's more important to get in a guy who could maybe put a little bit of production at the wide receiver position other than the running back position because Sean Chivers is capable at the number two. There's a reason he's not a number one running back. Like He has his faults, but that's why he's the number two guy. And if Tank goes down, you know, we hope that doesn't happen. He's capable along with Devin Barrett, along with Jacquez Hunter. Like You have guys who can come in and take a committee approach and at least get you by. And that's kind of what you need whenever whenever you have a guy go down. You just need someone who can come in. They're not going to be world beaters. Just somebody who can come in and just reliably play football. They don't have to just wow everybody. You're not look. If Tank Bigsby goes down. You're you're not going to have another Tank Bigsby come in. Right. Like we don't have that on this roster. It's and, not in the transfer portal portal either. Yeah, and most no. most teams don't have that. And like, like you said, there's not. It's not in the transfer portal. You're not going to find a guy as talented as Tank Bigsby to replace Tank Bigsby if he goes down. So you might as well try to go after a guy who can get you some production at the receiver position because you have capable bodies who can come in and play running back, even if Tank Bigsby's not hurt, just to spell him out for a play or two. Here's the issue. If if a running back, if Bigsby does hypothetically, as people are afraid, because he was injured last season, I believe it was a hip injury, he was out for a few games, didn't really seem like his himself uh, at the end of the season. If he does go down with an injury... Auburn may have to shift to a more pass-focused offense. And who is Bonix going to be throwing to? He's going to be throwing to inexperienced receivers who don't know how to play the position well yet. They're going to need time to develop. So Auburn needs to go after a transfer receiver that can, can carry that load. Not every single catch, but can carry that load and, and actually bring in some production. I think, I think that this running back room is capable... If, if, if Bigsby goes down to hold the fort down while these receivers catch some passes, from, I believe we, we need a transfer receiver is all I'm saying. Yeah. Offensive line, I think we could also go after an offensive oh, lineman transfer. But I think Auburn's kind of content right now to go after um, some, some – or to keep uh, rather uh, – trying to develop these guys that they have on roster because we have so much experience returning. Yeah, and I, and that's that's all fair. And to quickly play devil's advocate before we go to break, I can understand why people want us to go out and get a running back. I get it. Uh, I mean, like a lot of people aren't as high on Sean Shivers. And I can understand why they they think about the receiver position because, you know, they're sitting there thinking, like, I think a lot of people are higher on the receiver position in terms of what they could be because there is talent there. There's potential, but they, they, they need time. So we need somebody to come in and kind of kind of kind of bridge that gap. We'll be right back. We got a phone caller. We'll hit you right over on the other side of this break on On the Line. On the Line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. You are on the line with Levi Fitzwater, Lance Daw, and intern Sting. We are live ESPN 106.7, Fox Sports, Central Alabama 98.3. We want to hear from you, 334-321-1390. And just like that, we've got a caller. We teased it on the other side of the break that we had a caller. We got Dan from Auburn, if I'm not mistaken. So we're gonna That's go to correct. we're gonna go to Dan right now. How you doing today, man? I'm doing great. How are you? 
doing well. What, what's on your mind? What you want to call, call and talk to us about? Um, I was going to kind of agree with you all a little bit as far as the running back situation. You know, you're, you're hoping – I think Shivers, he's never been hurt. And the only reason that everyone always thought, oh, he can only carry it a few times because he's small. But, you know, he's 190 pounds now, and at 5'7", that's a pretty stout guy. Right. So, you know, and I think this offense is a lot better for him. You know, this, the, you know the straight-ahead running, you know, with one cut and go, I think that that is a lot better style for him personally, and even for Tank. So, you know, I, I think he'll be fine, you know, if you could get a great running back, then that would be be fantastic. But the truth is, if you're a great running back, you're looking to go somewhere to start, and you're never going to start in front of Tank because he's right. that good. You know, so you're probably not going to get one. So we have to really try to just recruit us another five star kind of guy for next year. But you know, you have Bo Nix who's going to probably run the ball five or six times a game. You know, and then you have in, in the first four games, three of them are games that hopefully you can get. You know, either Devin Barrett or the, you know the freshman. The freshman is from Mississippi. He's actually pretty good. I mean, I've watched a lot of film on him, and and I think, you know, if he were able to get you know five or six carries a game in those first few easy games to kind of just get his feet wet, you know, I, I think he could be very, I mean, a, a real serviceable back. You know, but I just don't think you're going to find a guy. It doesn't mean you shouldn't look, and it doesn't. And if the opportunity poses itself, then you know you would try to take a great running back. But you're just you know, just to get a guy, just to have a, a guy that's filling a, filling a space that's never going to be, you know, a superstar kind of, to me, is a waste of a scholarship. I mean, you know, like I said, you better, you're, you're probably better off, you know, looking for a tackle or a receiver or whatever, you know. Yeah, I agree that's with you. As far as far as uh, Harson's recruiting ha- has gone so far, I think he's done everything he's can. I mean, he picked up Jarquez Hunter from Mississippi. Uh, I, I believe he was uh, Mister Mississippi football this season, if I'm not mistaken. But I think you're exactly right. Shivers has put on some weight, and they've been talking about it. This running back room's been talking about how this is going to be more of a downhill offense this season and like you said I think it's definitely going to benefit Shivers and, and, and also I think it's going to benefit Tank there's a reason that the man is called Tank he's going to run downhill and he's going to run through you I think this running back tandem is going to 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 benefit very well from the from this new style of offense and if Tank does go down again I think Barrett Hunter and Shivers can all carry the workload and do it by committee to where not only not only are they getting touches, but it's going to keep opposing defenses on their toes because it's three guys that they've never seen before, and they all play the game differently. So I think if anything, if Tank goes down, it's going to be a good thing for Auburn for these these running backs to get some more experience because I think they have talent. It's very similar to the way the way the fan base views the receiver room. I think this this group has talent. They just haven't necessarily been able to show it consistently yet, and I think you're going to get that with a guy like Shivers if he does get to play more. Yeah. And I think just the big thing, you know, from a coaching perspective, I think with Tank, you just want to you know, give him his 10 carries in these easy games and just keep him ready to go. And, of course, when you get into the big games, you know, he's going to be carrying it 20 times plus for sure. But if you if you don't burn him out, then I think he, he can be fine and, you know, make it through the season. You know, so if you just don't want to start out, you know, and not, not playing the other guys, and then when, when if something does happen, then they're not even ready. You know, you just got to give – Give that whole running back room touches, you know, space it all out however you need to space it out to where, you know, everybody's got a a full tank of gas when you get into the next game, you know. Yeah, and and there's talented guys in that running back room. And, like, I mean, 
they're more talented. They're either equivalent or, you know, maybe a little bit less talented than anybody in the portal. And most of the time, they're more talented than those guys in the transfer portal. And the guys who are a bit more talented than them, why would you want to transfer in to a situation where you're probably going to be second, third, fourth on the depth chart? It's like It doesn't make sense from the player perspective to even want to come if Auburn were to go that route. You're better off just working in the guys, like you just said, in those easier games, your Akron, your Alabama States. Get them a little bit of running room. Keep Tank healthy going into the big ones, Penn State, LSU, Georgia. And then you're sitting off with, you know, a very healthy running back room. You got some guys who got experience in the depth chart, and you should be sitting pretty going forward if anything does happen to Tank Bigs because you got some guys behind him with experience. Right. And the issue with Tank is that I don't think I don't think a lot of Auburn fans understand there are so many different mocks out there that have him as the number one returning running back in the country. It's going to be really, really hard to find somebody that can back him up and play not to his level, but even close to his level. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I, if I when I uh, if, if I could put money on him for the Heisman, I'm <laughs> I would definitely consider it because I think he's got that type of ability. And so, and he really does. Know. So, Dan, yeah, appreciate it, guys. Dan, thanks for calling. Don't be a stranger. Call back anytime you want to. We are always here to talk to you. And I think another thing with, with Tank, as far as the Heisman is concerned, if these pass catchers don't necessarily develop or Auburn wants to go to a more run-oriented offense, that's going to allow Tank to just absolutely go off. And I think if this offensive line does start to gel, which there's no way you bring back all five of your starters and they don't play at least a little bit better than they did the season before, I think Tank has so much potential. There's so much potential with this Auburn team, but the, a lot of the fan base, including myself, likes to be negative and just say, well, Auburn's not going to even reach a bowl game. Auburn's going to go 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five at best. But there's so much potential for this team to develop and gel. We just have to see how Harson wants to work with these guys. And we, we, the thing is, we just haven't seen it. So we can, can, can continue to speculate. But there is a lot of optimism moving forward for this Tiger team. And it's year one. So just every, everybody, just, just let Tank do his thing. Everybody appreciate it because he's probably not going to be here for much longer. And let's just say who, see who Harson brings in next season to replace him after Tank leaves because we would be, like, like, like Dan said, we would be much better off picking up a five-star guy. It might have been you just picking up a five-star guy a year from now yeah. instead of a transfer and having him play one more year next season and we still have to go after another running back. Yeah, I mean, 100% agreed. Look, I got to I gotta shift the subject over here. My phone is going crazy. We got breaking news from Adam Schefter. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. No. What? No, you're kidding. No, no, According no, no. to Adam Schefter, Packers quarterback is so disgruntled with the team that he has told some within the organization that he does not want to return to the team. Reigning wow. NFL MVP Aaron Rodgers reportedly... According to Adam Schefter, blue check mark on Twitter. Everybody knows who Adam Schefter is. He wants out of Green Bay. What do you guys think about that? I mean, I I, I gotta I go see it for myself. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I, I was trying. All right, look, I wish he doesn't. Wow. I was trying to hold off on the NFL draft talk because I didn't want to bore everybody because I know that a lot of people around here don't care as much as we do. But I can't help it when the former or when the reigning NFL MVP Aaron Rodgers, guy who everybody knows, even if you don't care about football especially the NFL level. Everybody knows who Aaron Rodgers is. Once out of Green Bay. Makes sense when, you know, they draft his heir apparent last year in Jordan Love, and they never really reliably get him any help, even though there were some mocks that Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota was going there, which would be an absolute steal. But 
Aaron Rodgers wants out. Maybe that's and, why San Francisco tried to offer that yeah, trade. Maybe they knew right. they heard on the little grapevine. like, oh, well, hey, he wants out. Maybe they'll trade him to us in exchange for our number three overall pick. As we were talking before we went on air, the San Francisco, San Francisco 49ers called the Packers, uh, I think Wednesday night, uh, asking if they could trade Rodgers for the, for the first round pick. And I believe you said the, the Packers were like, yeah, no shot. Sorry, no, um, yeah, no chance. The way I see it, you might as well, you might as well shift him out, shift him yeah, out if, now. But if, I mean, if he really wants out, then I think you go for I it. I mean, I think I, about this. Think about this with Jordan Love, who you drafted so high a, a season ago. You can start to let him develop. Trade Rogers out, who is definitely at the closer towards the end of his career. Mm. Trade him out. Get that third all overall pick if you don't feel like Jordan Love's going to work out. Maybe get another guy like Mac Jones or Trey Lance. And then there you go. You're or, set up. You've got two. Or use that third pick on a weapon. I say, or, or you can go with a Kyle Pitts if you really like Jordan Love. And there you, you can go. Kyle Pitts it out. you got a late-round pick you could use on Rashad Bateman. And then you were just sitting there looking oh so pretty for the future. But, I mean, I, I, I see a, a team that could easily trade for him. I mean, Taysom Hill for Aaron Rodgers. Who says no? There you go. Hey, there it is. All <laughs> Jameis, right. Jameis Winston for Aaron Rodgers. Who says no? Mm, I, I can I, think of a lot of people. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That would that be crazy, would, but yeah, I mean, if that if that's I wish true, tra- I wish force trade on Madden was in real life. Force so trade, like, yep. Rogers <laughs> is mine now. Oh man, that's crazy. Like I look, we I know we were talking Auburn football, and we were talking about Tank Bigsby in the running back room and the receivers and the transfer portal. But my phone kept blowing up about this, and that's all I could see. And I was just like, what is going on? That's this crazy. is why I love draft day. Draft day is the best day. That's why I love it. That's why I have traditions. I go to B-dubs every year except for last year because of the pandemic and except for this year because I don't want to sit up there for too long because of my back, but I am getting it delivered to the house. And by delivered, I mean I'm getting a friend to pick it up because I live out in the middle of nowhere. They're not going to deliver out there, <laughs> but the, I digress. The The article that Schefter put out says, Roger is unhappy for a variety of reasons, some of it dating back to last year's draft when the Packers didn't inform him before trading up to draft a quarterback with their first round pick. Some took this as a sign that his days in Green Bay could be numbered. He is also at a different point in his personal life, having recently gotten engaged, and he's also been hosting Jeopardy, and he would really like to become a full-time host, so maybe he could play football and host Jeopardy at the same time. He's also made cryptic tweets about his future in Green Bay, but he has told others now that he does not want to return. I wish the Rams had not traded for Matt Stafford. Because Imagine. he could go in L.A. and like record Jeopardy and all that. That would be having some buyer's remorse, right? Yeah. God, that'd be great. Man, exciting first two segments. We got Scott Bagwell on the other side of this break. Stay here for On the Line. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You are on the line with Levi Fitzwater, Lance Daw, and intern Sting, ESPN 106.7, Fox Sports Central, Alabama, 98.3. And now we are joined by Scott Bagwell. We got him on the line, voice of Auburn High School Baseball. Scott, how are you doing today? Good. How are you all doing? Oh, we are doing good. We've got a little bit lack of uh, lack of good weather outside, but not a lack of interesting things happening with NFL draft going on today. You got good baseball going on. How how are things looking for the Auburn High School team? What what do we have going on in the future for them? So uh, this weekend, Auburn High 
opens uh, their run in the 7A playoffs. Uh, 28-5 in the regular season. They finished uh, runners up in Area 4. They're ranked number four in 7A, and they will be going to Baker, take on the Baker Hornets uh, in, in round one action. These two teams met earlier in the year. Auburn won 9-5 to five in that one, but uh, that game was all the way back in the, in the middle parts of March. Uh, two completely different teams. Uh, Auburn uh, able to get into the playoffs, even though they've lost uh, three out of their last six games, and Baker's won nine out of their last 11, I do believe. Scott, as far as this bullpen goes, I've been able to, 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 to run the board for all the home games so far this season for Auburn High. For you, as far as the bullpen goes, from what I understand, they are very, very solid. Who do you think is going to get the start on the mound Friday? So that's, that's the interesting question because Auburn is very, very deep. Uh, they got a lot of arms, and uh, right now the only thing set in stone is who's going to start game two. It looks like Jack Tullier is going to start game two. Um, for the Tigers uh, down in Baker on Friday night. Game one to be determined. Auburn trying to figure out what exactly they want to do uh, on the mound to start. Uh, Auburn's got options. They've had a lot of kids that have uh, started games. In fact, if you look through um, if you look through the, the season, Auburn has had Four pitchers that have started six games or more. So Jack uh, has nine starts on the year. He's going to get a nod in game two. Auburn could either go with Matthew Rhodes, Brady Fuller, or even Will Turner to get things started in uh, in game one down in Mobile. As far as, far as the bats go, uh, we've seen Auburn struggle at times this season, even when their pitching's been solid. Sometimes the bats just won't be able uh, to get it going. We saw that first loss of the season was a one nothing loss to Faith. What is Auburn going to have to do against Baker to actually get these bats fired back up? I know, like you said, they've lost three out of their last six. Yeah, they lost three out of their last six, and they've lost five on the year. Three of them were when they were shut out. Um, and in uh, area play against two very good teams in Smith Station and Central, the bats kind of got quiet. Auburn hit just 175 with runners in scoring position in those two series. That's something that's got to change. In the playoffs, what wins is uh, good defense, uh, good pitching, and timely hitting. Um, and Auburn hit just 216 as a team in area play, highlighted by the Twins. Um, Riley Austin hit 365 and Ryan Austin hit 368 for the Tigers. Basically, it's just going to come down to having better swings um, and being able to put the ball in play in six games in area play, 42 strikeouts at seven, at seven strikeouts per game. Um, Auburn needs to put the ball in play, get the, get some things moving. I'll, I'm going to be interested to see with the offense, and they had struggled a little bit in the last couple of weeks, Auburn normally runs a lot. They've only attempted 10 stolen bases in area play. I'm interested to see if Coach Simo decides to kind of get get some people moving around, try to get people on, get them over, get them in. Because uh, this pitching staff, if you're able to get them a lead, they've, they've been able to work ahead pretty well all year long. We are speaking with Scott Bagwell of the Auburn High School baseball play-by-play announcer. And don't forget that you can catch this Auburn High School baseball game Friday afternoon, 96.3 W. Lee. Scott, for the people out there who aren't as familiar with the Auburn High School baseball team, what what is the biggest strength this Auburn High School team has going into the playoffs? It's got to be the depth of the pitching staff. Um, 
You know, it's Tulier, Rhodes, and Fuller have been, they've kind of gotten most of the talking points throughout the year because they've been the starters and they've worked deep into games. But Auburn, as a staff, they've been so good this year getting getting outs. And it sounds simple, but you're talking about as a team, a 1.58 ERA. Um, and they've been able to, even if the, the starter has struggled, bullpens come in, they've been able to limit damage when they've come in. Uh, and, you know, it's not something that, that a lot of teams have. Auburn has four starters that can go out there and go deep into games. And on top of the four starters, Auburn has four or five arms in the bullpen that can come in and go multiple innings. Ryan Olsen, um, he's 2-0. and He's got four saves on the year, a 0.00 ERA, 28 strikeouts in those 20 innings. Um, and it just kind of goes from there. Uh, Olsen will probably be the first arm out of the bullpen on Friday night. Uh, but, you know, Tulier, he's gone into into the sixth and seventh inning. Matthew Rhodes has a complete game. Fuller's gone into five uh, to the fifth and the sixth innings before. So um, the pitching is definitely the strength, and it's, uh, it's the deepest part of this uh, team. You mentioned Baker earlier having won nine of their last 11. I'm looking at their schedule right now. They've actually won four straight heading into this matchup with Auburn High, but they're 16 and 18 on the season. Where does their their their, uh, their ability to to win these games lie? We've seen Auburn High do it with the pitching staff. Uh, what what has kept Baker going through this win streak? When they, you know, they've got hot when they were able to get the bats going a little bit. Um they, as a staff, they got a couple of arms that'll go out there and they'll grind out appearances when they're at their best. Though it's kind of also what they do at the plate. They they grind out at bats. They find ways to get on. They'll take a hit by pitch. They'll they'll take their walks. They'll, they'll work the count. And then when they get on, that they'll try to put they'll try to push the envelope a little bit. They'll steal. They'll hit and run. They'll slash a little bit. Uh, they'll do anything they can to get runners over and just to make you make some plays on the defensive side of the ball. When uh, when Auburn went down to Baker in 2019, Auburn wasn't really able to make the routine plays and uh, and didn't come didn't come up with a clutch hit and ended up getting swept in that series um, back in 2019 at Baker. So Auburn here in the first playoffs that we've had in over uh, in, in since 2019 because obviously with 2020 COVID. Uh, canceled out the AHSAA baseball playoffs. So Auburn goes back where their playoff run ended back in 2019 um, with some players that were on their team. So there, there is a little bit of a revenge factor here. Uh, but Auburn's got to go down there, and uh, they got to keep Baker in check because if Baker gets on, they'll, they, they have the ability to cause some trouble on the base pass. We are speaking with Scott Bagwell of Auburn High School Baseball. Auburn, or Scott, how do you feel about this weekend? Should the people be excited about this this matchup against Baker? I know you said that there's been a little bit of trouble lately with that. What do you think the realistic expectation is for this weekend? You know, it's uh, it should be a really good series. Um, it's it's funny because uh, a couple of weeks ago, Auburn played a top ten team in uh, when they played Carrollton out of Georgia and they beat Carrollton 11 to one. And I'll walk away from that game going, this team can win a state championship. That's still the case, but you know, baseball is a season of highs and lows. And so back on April 8th, getting ready for area play, Auburn looked as good as they've ever played. And 
since then, Auburn's played six six games. They've gone three and three of those games, and they haven't played at their peak. They haven't played their best ball against Miss Nation and Central. Um, I'm excited to see if Auburn's able to get back to that because, you know, it's something this program has kind of built themselves off, uh, built the program up to is when the playoffs come, everybody in the southern part of the state knows that Auburn's going to be playing their best. Uh, they're looking to go for their fourth state championship series in six years, which is it's just five seasons. Um, again, because of last year, uh, this is an exciting time. Baseball, you know, playoffs are here. Um, you know, Auburn is four series wins away from a state championship, which will be Coach Simo's fourth state title. Uh, it's an exciting time, and uh, and hopefully Auburn can go down the Mobile, take care of business, and the bracket breaks the right way, and Auburn gets to host a, uh, a playoff series at home next weekend. Scott, thank you for giving us your time, allowing us to talk to you. And you have a great weekend and hoping for the best for you, okay? Thanks, guys. Y'all have a good one. Scott Bagwell of Auburn High School Baseball. Check that out this weekend starting Friday on 96.3 W League. I mean, good one this weekend. It's going to be some good baseball. You're hoping, you know, for the local people, we're hoping that Auburn Auburn does some damage in the postseason. Hoping they're, you know, go pretty far. And like I said, looking for another state championship ring to add to that collection. Yeah, that's right. As Scott mentioned something that I'm actually interested to see as well. Auburn uh, on, on, on April 8th played Carrollton, who was a top 10 team in the country at the time. And Auburn beat them 11-1. to It was just an absolute smackdown. I got to board up for that game. Just listening to it. It's just Auburn was so dominant in every phase of the game. And I've seen that time and time and time again. But as they got into area play... They, they lost 6-2 to Smith Station, then they beat them 6-1, and then in that doubleheader matchup on the same day, right after they had beaten Smith 6-1, they lost 8 to nothing. And just this Auburn team has issues at times when they've, they've not been able to get the bats going. And I think that's something that's going to be incredibly crucial heading into this playoff game against Baker. I understand Baker still has an under 500 record, but they're like, like Scott said, they're a formidable opponent. They've won 9 of their last 11, and you just don't scoot through area play like that unless you're a good solid team like he mentioned they're scrappy they do all the little things right and and Auburn has has the ability to sweep Baker tomorrow but they have to play solid in all phases of the game we've seen seen them do it against really really good competition can they do it against Baker tomorrow I think so, but they've, they've got to be able to focus and get these bats going. Like he mentioned, the two twins are the only two players, I believe, that he said that we're batting above 300 right now for the Tigers. they got to be able to get those swings going, and they got to be able to locate as far as pitching is concerned because they, they've been incredibly solid, but then you've seen them choke 8 nothing losses, 6-2 losses to Smith Station. And that's all it comes down to. I mean, you have to get some of the bats going because the pitching is uh, so – the pitching staff is so – deep you have such a depth at pitching that typically you think about auburn university they've been struggling with the depth at the pitching position and the bullpen in general auburn high school seems to have the opposite problem where you don't really have to worry about it too much on the other side of this break we have a little bit of breaking news about a former florida quarterback stay tuned on the line on fox sports central alabama on 98.3 fm and espn 1067 You are on the line with Levi Fitzwater, Lance Daw, and intern Sting. Fun show we've had so far in the first hour. We got to talk to Scott Bagwell of Auburn High School Baseball. We also talked a little bit of some NFL news with Aaron Rodgers wanting out of Green Bay. We talked about 
Auburn and what they need to do in the transfer portal. But now, teasing on the other side of this break, we got some breaking news about a former Florida quarterback. I'm sorry, former Heisman Trophy winning Florida quarterback. Oh, I'm sorry, former national champion, two-time national champion, Heisman Trophy winning quarterback out of the University of Florida. Turned tight end, apparently, as Tim Tebow is looking to have a tryout with the Jacksonville Jaguars to play tight end. Fellas, what do you think about that one? All I know is that Adam Schefter has been popping off today with the Tebow news and the Aaron <laughs> Rodgers news. I mean, the, he is having himself a day as far, far as uh, breaking news on Twitter and articles go. I just, uh, I, I think it's really funny that his entire time in high school, he was told that he would work out in the college game as a fullback or a tight end. And as he was playing college ball, he was still being told while he was winning national championships and Heisman trophies that he would work better as a fullback or a tight end. And he tried to play in the NFL as a quarterback and it didn't quite work out. And now he's coming back to, to the, to the, uh, the, to the league at 33 years old. Uh, he's not played since 2012 and he is coming back as a tight end. I just I find that really, really funny. If the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to give this guy a shot, I would love to see him actually get some serious playing time. I'm I'm a big Tim Tebow guy. I, I, I loved watching him at Florida. I would say that he's probably the most dominant college football quarterback of our of of history. If Joe Burrow had gotten to play three three or four full seasons, then I, I think it would be him. But Tim Tebow, probably the best quarterback of all time. Uh, would really like to see him. Oh, you disagree. You disagree. Well, I, I well, do you, disagree. Well, if you're looking at it from the career perspective, because like you can argue that there are quarterbacks who have had better seasons. Like I think Cam Newton had better seasons. Joe Burrow had a better season. Even Johnny Manziel had a better season. Individual but we, seasons. But Tim Tebow did it over the span of a career because he stayed there for a while because he couldn't go to the pros because nobody liked that elongated release that he had. And I still think it's, to go back on what you said, it's funny that at every level, they kept telling him to play tight end, fullback, whatever, and he kept saying no. And even when he was in the NFL, taking uh, the Broncos on what, like winning seven of, or winning like eight of like nine or whatever, taking them to the playoffs, or I think it was seven of eight, taking them to the playoffs. And everybody said, yeah, he's still better suited for a receiver or a tight end. I'm like, he just took a one and seven team and have them eight and eight winning their division and then, you know, beating the Pittsburgh Steelers in an upset that year. And people On were the still first like, play of overtime. Yeah, and people were Never still just like, get that. Yeah, and I, I'm with Lance. I'm a big Tebow guy. I still have my jersey from, or not a jersey, but I have a, one of those jersey shirts. Uh, it was the Reebok Orange Crush 15 Denver Broncos T-shirt that I ordered online because I liked it. I loved the Tebow magic because it was fun to watch. It was right around that Jeremy Lin Lin Sanity era as well. You just had there like these go. guys like coming out of nowhere. Well, not really Tebow coming out of nowhere, but you know, like over like it was like a Cinderella story. And it was crazy because Tim Tebow was so dominant that he then became a Cinderella story in the NFL. I like it. I think it'd be fun to have him on the team. If anything, people are going to buy that jersey, let's be honest. Let's, that's a jersey sell regardless. Like People are going to get definitely it. Definitely in Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah, that's oh, what I'm saying. Like, sure. yeah it's in Jacksonville. Like, people are going to buy it. And then you're teaming up with Urban Meyer, who probably just wants him on his rock. Like, if he signs him, he's probably just thinking, like, dude, like, this is good leadership. Like, I know what I'm getting out of this kid. And, I mean, Trevor Lawrence better watch out. There you That's go. All I'm hey, saying. If he goes down, could we see some, see Tim Tebow taking snaps at quarterback for the first time since 2012? Uh, just looking at, let's see, he played, what, three seasons in the NFL, two at Den- Denver. I think his best season was in 2011. I think he played 14 games. It was like 11 starts, and then he had that playoff win. 
Um, he, he what what else did he do? He played with the Patriots in 2013, and then he played with the Eagles for a hot minute. He was, he was he? yeah, he had a cup of coffee with like the Patriots and the the Eagles. He played with the Jets for that stint where everybody wanted him to come in over Sanchez and. They just never put him in. It was like they just traded him to New York just to run in the rain shirtless and, you know, wow everybody and have them swooning over him. But it just never felt like it never felt like anybody gave him a legitimate chance because even in Denver, they didn't really like John Fox really didn't want to put him in. They had to tailor the offense around him into kind of a modified spread triple option type of you know, read option type of offense. A lot like what Gus Malzahn and Auburn fans are familiar with. It was kind of like what they were running. Because he just didn't have that throwing, th- like he could, he wasn't a threat to pass because the release was so long that NFL safeties and cornerbacks and defensive backs in general could jump routes better. And in college, he did a lot of screen passes, little dump off passes that worked. When you have guys like Aaron Hernandez who can run forever, Percy Harvin, one of the most electric college football players of all time, you can do that in the NFL when you're not a hundred percent and you're throwing with just if you're giving them just a little bit longer of a release. Those fractions of seconds matter. They turn from a completion to a pick six the other way. I'm getting texts from uh, from station manager Zach Blackerby asking me if I'm intoxicated over my Tim Tebow take, saying that he is the uh, <laughs> the greatest college football quarterback of all time. And the reason I say that over guy, well, let's stick with just the SEC over guys like Burrow and Cam Newton. The reason that I would have them over, like you said, is he did it over a career. Statistically, he will forever hold. Uh, all-time passing and touchdown records over them because he stayed for so long now had Burrow and Cam stayed for four seasons would they usurp him at that at that spot at number one I think so but the thing is that they didn't so Tim Tebow in my mind statistically because he had that career greatest SEC quarterback of all time uh, in my in my opinion I'm, I'm with Zach on that one it's it's but it's fair. Like I I understand where you're coming from because you're looking at it as the scope of a career. It makes sense, but like he didn't have a better season than guys like Cam Newton, Johnny Manziel. But like you like to argue, rings matter, and Tim Tebow did exactly. have more rings than both Jer- yeah, Joe Burrow exactly. and Cam Newton. Would they have gotten rings? Maybe, but that's the thing is it didn't happen. So I can't say that it that it it, it did. I can't say that it happened or would have yeah. happened because it never did. We can only speculate, but we can go off what did happen, which is Tim Tebow, all-time touchdowns leader in the SEC, two national championships, won a Heisman. Uh, I understand that the accolades for those other quarterbacks are there, and they probably would have gotten a lot more had they stayed for an extended period of time. They just they just didn't. So yeah, I'm gonna I mean, go I'm gonna go with the four year guy and Tim Tebow. Was he a good quarterback after that? No. Was he mechanically solid? No. Did he lose a couple of games? Yes. He actually never beat Auburn, which is something that Zach pointed out. <laughs> but that's irrelevant as far as greatest <laughs> SEC quarterback of all time, greatest college football quarterback of all time. You can take a couple of losses. Joe Burrow had what three or four losses in his first season with LSU before his superpowers were unlocked before by UCF. Superpower. Super yeah. Exactly. Um, you, you hit a man and he he'll get angry. Let me tell you something. That was that was an impressive performance in that uh, Fiesta Bowl. But I, I'm sticking with my take. I'm sticking with it. And that's fair because statistically you can't argue with it. This is what happens when Zach and Noah leave us alone for a little bit too yeah. long. They leave. They, Zach and Noah left us here by ourselves, and look what happens. We start saying that Tim Tebow is the greatest quarterback of all time. According to him, we're just spouting out nonsense. But I'll just go ahead and say it. AJ McCarron. Three, three rings. There you That's go. That's the best. That's how you do it. It's been a fun hour, number one, on On the Line. We are going to come back on the other side, 
of the hour. Hour number two is going to have a lot of NFL draft coverage, some Auburn baseball talk behind enemy lines for the last time with Sting. Stick with us and don't miss anything. We'll be right back. You are on the line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Levi Fitzwater, Lance Daw, and intern Sting, ESPN 106.7, Fox Sports Central Alabama 98.3. We want to hear from you. We really do. 334-321-1390. 1390 and you know how I do it. I like to give it out a second time. 334-321-1390. If this isn't your emergency contact on your phone, what are you doing? You need to have it saved <laughs> in your phone so at any time that you are in any desperate need, if you fall down, you can't get up, at you least you're on the line. At least you woke up and you decided, you know what? This might be my final moments, but I can be on the line <laughs> with Levi Fitzwater and Lance Dahl and intern Sting today. We've reached out to your emergency contact, and apparently it was a radio show. Yeah, no, that's okay. That's, that's fine. fine. That's I, fine. I, just wanted Put to be, me on. I just wanted to be on the line. I just wanted to talk right before. All jokes aside, give us a call, 334-321-1390. Let us know what you want to talk about, because what I want to talk about is the NFL draft, because that's all that's, all that's on my mind today. It's my favorite day of the year. I've already talked really? about it. It's 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 actually my favorite like sporting event. Better like, than the first day of March Madness? Uh yes, it is. Uh it is definitely more fun for me than March Madness. I I just I love the draft. I love all the excitement. Like you have all this stuff that means nothing at any point in time. It it, it just kind of like goes and it just kind of comes and goes like where you have all these guys who most of them let's be honest they're gonna bust, and, I'm and s- it's useless. I'm so thankful that we get like a normal draft this season. Like we're getting kind of to get to do over some of the things that COVID took away from us last season, and we'll be we'll get to experience experience them to not necessarily the fullest extent, but but it, it'll feel normal. Like the draft will feel normal. Stadiums, I believe, this fall will feel normal. Um, we're already seeing the Braves go back to 100% capacity starting on May 7th. That's going to be awesome. LSU is going back to uh, full capacity, I think, right now for all of their sporting events. So we're starting to th- see things return back to normal, and I think the draft is no exception. It's going to be awesome to see players actually get to the venue and get to actually hang out with each other and see them walk up on stage and, and accept, accept hugs. Yeah, the hugs, hugs and the, the, hugs and are the back. hats. Yeah, it's really awesome. Yeah, the hugs are back for Roger Goodell. I mean, he... He got caught down bad in 4K last year. I mean, he he was pretty good at first, but like by the end of it, he went through those M&Ms. Like, like he was he was slouching. With the 732nd pick, uh, the San Francisco 49ers select. Uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. Josh, Josh, are you here? We got you. We, you've been you've been selected. Congratulations. <laughs> I say that it was it was an interesting take on the draft. But yeah, a lot of people are coming back. I mean, the Buffalo Bills opening up theirs with vaccine. You know, anybody who's vaccinated, they can go to 100% capacity as well. Feels a little bit more normal coming back. I mean, the Braves, they got fans back, but uh, I think they forgot to start playing baseball at some point. But you know, 
I just like the picture of Roger Goodell with a bag of M&Ms in one hand, a microphone in the other, his tie loosened up, just sitting in that setting at his home and just be like, just sweaty and just tired of calling out picks. It was hilarious. My question to you is, is who do you think the first person is uh, th- that is selected? Who do you think the first person is going to be that walks up to Goodell and doesn't shake his hand, but like tries to give him like a side bump or like get hype or something like that? So I'm looking at it. The, I'm trying to think of who's getting picked and who I have around that top five range. Trevor Lawrence isn't going to be there. Zach Wilson doesn't seem like the guy that would do that. I think Trey Lance goes to San Fran. I don't think he does it. I think the first big guy you see coming off the board is typically the lineman. Let's be honest. The linemen are the guys who get the most hype with this stuff. So maybe a Panay Sewell, if he does get drafted by the Bengals, which I think he does, maybe Rashawn Slater type of guy out of Northwestern. Some of these guys, they seem like the most like hype, hype-inducing guys that can come out because I'm not really seeing – you don't have like a lot of big personalities really coming out. Right. Like who did you've seen guys in the past? Like there's typically it's either linemen or like your defensive players, like in terms of your your defensive linemen, your edge rushers, your linebackers. And this, let's be honest, this class is kind of thin at those positions. The defensive line, the edge rushing. Like they're they're not thin in terms of like there's a lot of good talent, but it's not they're not towards the top. You're gonna see a lot of those guys start going off around like the 20 mark down or even like maybe the 15 mark down cornerbacks there's a lot of good quarterbacks that'll cornerbacks that'll go early but typically you don't see those guys getting super hype around the draft time i think you made a fantastic point there there's a lot of skill position talent in this year's draft compared to like you said offensive line defensive line the secondary players linebackers there's a lot of skill position talent in this draft, and I think that's what's going to make it exciting. Um, I think there's going to be five or six quarterbacks drafted in the first round. I think we're going to see potentially five go, and maybe that, that sixth guy maybe be a guy like Trask or Mond there at the very end of the draft. I think we could potentially see that. Um, but like you said, and this is something I love. Whenever it comes to all sports, whenever you get guys that aren't necessarily – like hype guys like maybe like a Baker Mayfield or maybe some offensive linemen we've seen in the past where they're just really they're they're energetic leaders they're more like business mentality they just go out there and get it done somebody that immediately comes to mind is Chumo Okiki we saw him dunk all over Andre Drummond the other night and he just very quietly emotionless just got back on defense and we saw him do that so many different times at Auburn where he would dunk on somebody and just or, go or back. cross somebody yep. over and just no emotion just get back on defense play the game and I think that's really really good to see with with some of these quarterbacks in this class where you see a guy like Trevor Lawrence which just go out there and get the job done Zach Wilson go out there and get the job done Trey Lance same thing Uh, I think it's going to be really good as far as the future goes for the NFL because these guys are leaders they're not out there like a Johnny Manziel they're not out there partying they're not out there doing it for the money they're not not out there just they're not focused not they're focused on football and they're focused on playing the game well and I really like that from some of these top top quarterbacks Uh, it's just the question of whether or not we we go they go in the order that we expect them to. I think Lawrence is going to go first. I think we can all agree on that. I think the one and two are solid. I think the one and yeah. two are solid with with Wilson and and Lawrence at one and two. And then there's a lot of speculation with San Francisco at that number three overall pick. Should they pick Mac Jones or should they go with a guy like Trey Lance? What are your thoughts? So I the way I value these quarterbacks, I had them listed at like let's go through the list. Like I had Trevor Lawrence a clear cut number one. He's a he's in a tier all above everybody else. He's the Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback prospect we have seen coming out of college since Andrew Luck and I don't think there's any debate about that Zach Wilson he's a guy I'm really high on I had him at number two throws the ball with incredible anticipation he's got a cannon for an arm and there are throws that I saw him make 
at BYU where sometimes his receivers would even let him down. You give this guy NFL talent, mm-hmm. I think he'd be great. Problem is he's going to the Jets, and I don't know how much I trust the Jets. I have him as my second-best prospect coming out, but he might have the worst career because he's going to the, to the Jets. I had Trey Lance as my number three guy, but I feel like he doesn't make as much sense to the 49ers, which is kind of crazy to think because I see that Trey Lance is a lot like Josh Allen to me. A little bit less mobile, good cannon for an arm. He can go through some progressions. He does he does lack that a little bit, but I mean that's something you can develop into, especially with a guy like Kyle mm-hmm. Shanahan. He can make all the NFL throws with very good athleticism. I mean, they were running a lot of design runs for him, but I think he is a little bit I think he's probably a year. Like I think he needs to sit for a year, which might work if you want to sit him behind Jimmy G Jimmy G if they don't actually ship him out or if he doesn't die before Sunday, according to Kyle Shanahan, because <laughs> we don't know who's gonna be alive on Sunday, according to him. I, I could see, like, I feel like Justin Fields makes more sense for them or a Mac Jones, like two guys who I feel like are more ready but do have a little bit lower of a ceiling than Trey Lance. I'm always here for the, like, I'm here for the boomer bust guy at quarterback because if he booms, Patrick Mahomes, you're set. If he busts, then typically you're back up at the top picking again, and that's fine. Like, Sam Darnold, bust it out. Where are the Jets? Get another one. Like, that's fine. Like, you... You would rather be really good or really bad. You don't want to be in the middle because in the middle, you can't rebuild at the quarterback position. So, yeah, I mean, I think they're going to go with Trey Lance. I always trust my gut with um, what I see happening in Vegas. Trey Lance has moved to the favorite for the 49ers to pick there. But I still I, I still would not be shocked. Something in my gut is just like they're going, they're going to pick justin fields and i don't know why like i feel like they're going to for some mm. reason i feel like it's just been smoke show it's been lying season they're lying they're lying to you they're all lying they're all lying all think, of them i think when you look at san francisco as far as pro style offenses goes in the nfl i think they're definitely uh, very much so a pro style offense and i think mac jones out of these three guys fits that scheme better than the other two not to say that trey lance or justin fields are bad quarterbacks i'm just saying that they would be a better scheme fit um, somewhere else maybe in Atlanta's offense potentially but I would like I would like to see the 49ers draft um, and Mac Jones simply so because I think he would he would thrive in that situation I can also see Mac Jones dropping to the 10th or 11th pick or maybe even going to somebody like the Patriots I could see him dropping low on this draft board if San Francisco doesn't doesn't pick him up early um, but I, I like Trey Lance as a favorite for San Francisco. I'm not mad at it. I just think that Mac Jones is a better scheme fit. Um, but it's something interesting you mentioned about Zach Wilson that we were talking about off air a little bit earlier. It's like, well, is Zach? Do you think Zach Wilson's going to get to get get to pan out? Sting, you were asking us that, and we were like, well, is it the Jets organization that's going to bring him down, or is it quarterback play just himself that's going to bring himself right. down? And we don't really know that right now. But what we can say is that Sam Darnold, a former Jet quarterback, is getting his his opportunity to play with the Panthers and get to prove that it is just the Jets organization. Yeah, that just stinks. That 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 was a really good point that you made earlier. I didn't think about it like that for sure. But, but yeah, I mean, because and if. Darnold still d- fails, then I don't know. I, I guess it's, it's not necessarily the Jets, but it's not the only reason, of course. But it, I, I, I think Zach Wilson is definitely talented enough to be the second pick. I just I don't I don't know. You know, there are a few ways this could go. Like for instance, let's say Darnold goes to the Panthers and he does work out, and Wilson goes to to the Jets and he doesn't work out. It's like okay, well, it's definitely the Jets. But what happens if Darnold goes to the Panthers, he doesn't work out, and then Wilson goes to the Jets? 
and he does work out. He turns out that he's a really good quarterback, even with Gase running that system. Well, Gase isn't there anymore, so we don't got to worry about it. Yeah, we got Robert. Yeah, Yeah. right, right. Um, So I think think there's a lot of different ways that this could go, but overall I think it's a really solid pick at number two to take Zach Wilson. I think he is the second-best prospect in this class. If... If the if the Falcons don't trade out of their four spot, which they have been trying to, because I think it makes more sense for the Falcons, you know, for a local comparison, I think that they should trade out and try to get a stockpile of picks so they can shore up that defense because the offense wasn't losing them games last year. Like I'll sit here and I like I mean, you got Calvin right. Ridley, Julio Jones, you know, for like what, uh two minutes he's fully healthy. I had someone tell me he's like, Well, he played fifteen games last year. It's like, yeah, he played fifteen games last year and the year before, but how much of that was he above like 60%? Hardly any of them. And that's that's the problem. And 60% of Julio is still better than a lot of guys in the league. Like I'm that, like that's not me knocking Julio. I have nothing but respect for him. But I don't think the offense was the problem. I, I, no, it was and, totally the defense and, and blowing hit, 20 point leads yeah. for sure. And that's why and it's, and it's left. we talked about this off air. Like it's hard to justify taking a guy at a need at number four. Like they need a cornerback. Like the best one's probably, in my opinion, I think it's Patrick Sertain at Alabama. But you can't take him at number four right there because he's not he's not worth that. Yeah, right. and like if you're gonna take a guy at four, you're gonna take Kyle Pitts. Like if they're if the Falcons cannot trade out, they're taking Kyle Pitts. You're just gonna get the best available, and you're gonna roll with it because I mean, yes, offense isn't a problem. But when you have a guy like Calvin Ridley, you might ship out Julio Jones. You might keep him at some point. Kyle Pitts, you could put Kyle, you can split Kyle Pitts at wide receiver and still run Hayden Hurst. At tight end, you can run double, you know, your 12 formation with uh, two tight ends and be just fine. Like, you're, it still is not a bad pick because it's Kyle Pitts and that's how good he is. But I'd rather see them trade out of there. I think you're only seeing three three quarterbacks go into, go in the top five unless somebody trades up because I, I still, I mean, the Bengals, they're going to go with the top, they're going to either go with a lineman or a receiver. I'm hoping it's a lineman. They have to pick a lineman. I, they have to. I keep seeing Jamar Chase. The I, keep, memes. I keep seeing Yes, you've seen the memes. Like, if anybody's blocking, or what is it? Uh, if it's uh, anybody ben, blocking for Burrow, Burrow gets sacked before he can throw to Chase. It was like, but if Sewell yes. is blocking for Burrow, then Burrow can safely throw to anyone anybody. downfield. T. Higgins was fine. Chase. T. Higgins NFL receiver. Great. I mean, they're still NFL yeah. guys. They're going to be able to get open. Tyler Boyd's still on the team, right? Like, you still have guys like Tyler Boyd. Yeah. You, like, CJ Uzama's there. He's been okay if he's still playing for him. I mean, Joe Mixon's coming back. Like, the receiver class is so deep. You can get a guy. Well, I kept saying Rashad Bateman, but now he's starting to kind of creep up into the first round. You can get a guy like Rondell Moore in the second round. Elijah Moore. You can get Rondell Moore in the second round. Like Kadarius Tony. Like there are so many good receivers that like are way down this list. Seth Williams in the fourth round. Anthony Schwartz. If you want to develop him, like there are guys at receiving positions that you can get later on. They're not. They're not Jamari Chase. I'm not saying they're Jamari Chase because they're not. He's the best receiver in the draft and he's got rapport with Joe Burrow problem is just go look at Joe Burrow's uh look below his knee just look below his knee and see that nice little fancy scar right there mm-hmm. and see why they should draft a lineman you gotta protect him because if he's getting beat up out there there's absolutely nothing that you can do so you gotta get it so I'm going Trevor I'm going Trevor Lawrence Zach Wilson Trey Lance Kyle Pitts Panesa well for my top five I don't think another quarterback goes but we're going to have yeah, to break real quick, and we're going to talk some more NFL draft on the other side of this break from the Alabama perspective. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. You are on the line with Lance Daw, Levi Fitzwater, and intern Sting. 
ESPN 1067, Fox Sports Central, Alabama, 98.3. It's been a great show. We want to hear from you. Call us in, 334-321-1390. 334-321-1390. Or follow us and mention us on Twitter, at Levi Fitzwater, at Daw Pound, Wolf Wolf. Wolf Wolf, indeed. <laughs> I am apparently now a member of the Cleveland Browns fan base. I'm actually all for it. I, I I welcome them with open arms. I've not necessarily had a football NFL team that I've followed in the past. Uh, like like consistently, I've not never had a team that I've said this is my NFL team. And to be a part of the the Browns fan base now it is exciting, especially since they're heading in a very positive direction. Um, unlike the Saints, who I, I believe currently have some quarterback issues right now, Levi, you may be able to give us a little bit of insight on on that situation. I'm just really scared because if Winston is the guy. I just I don't see his turnover problem just going away. Quarterback issues? What do you mean? We got Jameis. We eating dubs over here, dude. Like we're fine. Like now I mean, his vision is perfect after. Yeah, LASIK we got surgery, LASIK right? surgery. Yeah, this is. <laughs> we can eating see the receivers eating now. dubs right now. I say I'm 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 fine with Jameis or Jason, whichever one. You know, we can get Jason and Tatum. You know, J- Jameis and Taysom. Goodness, there that was go. hard to say. If I could get either of those guys, I prefer Jameis. Um, Taysom Hill struggles with pocket awareness. And he's honestly more valuable playing positions like inline tight end, wildcat quarterback, receiver, punt returner, punt returner, kick returner. <laughs> like he does, it, like everything he does is fine. Like I would rather have Jameis back there at quarterback. I'm not really worried about that too much. On the other, uh, before we went to break, I teased it a little bit, talking, saying I want to talk about it from the Alabama perspective in this draft, just to kind of keep it a little bit closer to home because Fox 98.3 does reach the middle parts of Alabama, where you do have a lot of. Alabama Crimson Tide fans out there. And I know some of you guys listen out there. So I do want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Because I'm interested to see who goes first out of the receivers. Does someone go Devontae Smith over Waddle? Do they go Waddle over Devontae Smith? I personally think Waddle's a better prospect. But that's not to say that Devontae Smith is bad. Because I think Devont- I think the top three guys in the receiving class, like I think they're all perfect. Like, I- I mean, they're not perfect, but... They're guys that I there isn't really a wrong choice. Yeah, like there's there's a very high chance that you're not going to miss on those guys. Like the the one that seems the most to miss is Waddle because he just came back from injury. You don't know. Uh, Jamar Chase might start off a little slow because he did miss a season from sitting out. Devontae Smith, people are going to say about his size, that doesn't bother me one bit. Like I you saw it on tape. Going against some of the best defenses in the country and the SEC and he won the Heisman and put on a show like those type of guys, they're like I'm not worried about it. Yes, a lot of it was he was always wide open from Sark's scheme. Mac Jones was making some good throws, but there are times where it is Devontae Smith catching the ball with four people in front of him, and he still finds a way to score a touchdown. That's just how good he is, and I don't think you can miss with these guys. So like I'm interested in if you guys have any perspective on this or have an opinion, like who goes first out of all the receivers or. If you just want to keep it Alabama, like which one goes first, Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith? So looking at the 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 mock draft that CBS Sports put out uh, just a couple hours ago, they have Smith going to the Dolphins at six. They have him as the fourth overall prospect, um, but the first in, at his position. And then a little uh, later in the draft, they have Jalen Waddle going to the Giants at eleventh, thirteenth overall prospect, but they also have him as the first first in his position at wide receiver. Don't quite understand that. I guess they just kind of think that Smith and Waddle are interchangeable in the fact that the Dolphins at that sixth spot could potentially pick 
either Waddle or Smith, but they do have Smith going going there down to Miami. I do agree with you. I think Waddle is the better overall prospect. And I'm not knocking on what Devonta Smith was able to do last season. Obviously, well deserving of that Heisman Trophy that you want, he won. And if you look at the statistics, it's just mind blowing how efficient he was. But I think I think Jalen Waddle with his size just uh, what what is it 20 or 30 more pounds th- than Smith is I think he's going to be a little bit more durable I think he's a little bit more fa- a little bit faster overall as a receiver Devontae Smith is is more well-rounded but Jalen Waddle has qualities about him that are just that you just don't find in an everyday receiver and so I think I think Waddle is the better prospect overall I agree I think he's the better prospect I think he has more upside but that's again I just want to keep you know, reiterating that that is not me saying that Devonte Smith is bad like that. Like he's there's a reason he's going to go this high in the draft. I mean, he is both guys are top talent. Jamar Chase, obviously top tier talent. I think these guys are going to that. I think they're going to be great NFL players. There's some consider I just thought about. So what if Cincinnati, you know, takes a lineman as we think they should. And Jamar Chase is still on the board. If you're the Dolphins, I mean, everybody seems to be having Devontae Smith is the is the mock pick for the Dolphins. If you have all three of those still on the board, who do you, who do you pick? I think it depends on the team. It depends on what you value. Like, do you do you want a guy who feels like a traditional true number one, a possession receiver in Jamar Chase, or do you want like do you already have that? Like, and do you need a more slot guy or like a guy who's a little bit more speedy? Like, it really just depends on what team. Or, like they're sitting well, I'm assuming in. is that six is the Dolphins, right? I'm assuming that the Bengals don't take Jamar Chase, and we're hoping Chase is still on the board. We're hoping. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I don't see Joe Burrow, you know, die on a football field next year again. Like I'm hoping <laughs> they get him protection. Or you could see Waddle go to the Raiders, and they just pick up every other speedy receiver in this draft, well, and Rondell Moore and Anthony Schwartz. You that would. John John Gruden is salivating at the thought of just sitting there have like just having all of these fast guys three receivers that can run a four two there you go (laughs) and the sixth round they pick up Schwartz or something crazy like late 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 and he's just sitting there going yes yes he's mine (laughs) I've got I've got three guys that are faster than anybody on this entire planet now I just need to trade for Tyreek Hill and we'll be all good I mean, that could happen. I mean, uh, he's going to go into a time machine and try to get Devin Hester and Ted Ginn Jr. in their prime and bring him out. I mean, now that we've seen Rodgers declare that he wants out of Green Bay, I think it's safe to say that anything could happen this offseason because out of all the things that you would think, it's like, eh, he's not leaving his respective team. It would have been Rodgers leaving Green Bay. That is mind blowing still to me that he wants out. I don't under, I just, I can't, I can't wrap my mind around why he would, why he wants out of Green Bay. So he's so disgruntled there's about also, the situation. There's it's also some be. contract disputes that are going on yeah. as well that have been leaked out over time as we've been talking what, about it. What, does he it. want more money? I, I guess. I mean, I haven't actually gotten a chance I'm to... Sure. I haven't got a chance to look into it because we've been on air, but I do know that there's some contract disputes. He's unhappy that they drafted Jordan Love without consulting him or at least telling him, like, hey, we're trading up to get a backup who's probably going to replace you in Instead like four of, you years know, using a first round pick on a receiver or something i don't understand yeah. how he couldn't understand that that's rational because like i said earlier he definitely is on the back leg of his oh, career no. he's not going to last another five or six seasons so you got to dra- draft somebody and get them to develop and it would make sense for you to go ahead and get that guy and him be an understudy uh underneath one of the greatest quarter- nfl quarterbacks of all time and aaron Rodgers. i don't understand how he could be mad at that he shouldn't understand that his time is coming yeah. to an end. If in any, if anything, if he appreciates the organization for what they've done for him, he should he should want to try and teach Jordan Love 
everything he has to offer before he heads out of Green Bay. No, I, I mean, I agree with that. Like, I understand from that perspective, but you also think that all Aaron Rodgers wanted was for somebody just to be like, hey, we're going to do this. And he's like, okay, cool. Like, I think that's all he wanted. I think he wanted to feel more valued than he was. Like, he wanted to feel consulted, kind of like the Deshaun Watson situation early on whenever they said he said he just wanted somebody to consult with him about hiring their GM and their coach, if I'm not mistaken. And he just didn't get that. And that's fine. Like, I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is getting moved tonight. I don't think that happens. I mean, it's draft day. Crazier things could happen. But, like, talk about how wild tonight could be if Aaron Rodgers gets shipped somewhere. It would be pretty nice. Like, it would that be. Wild, just, just a night of just complete chaos. Yeah. It would have been a while. Be, it would last, actually be crazy. Last year's draft, you know, with COVID, it was very, very timid. It was very yeah. low was very profile. Low yeah. There was not, there were not huge moves. I don't think. Did anybody trade in that first round at all that that night? Everybody just kind of went about their business and got the pick that they, so, yeah. that they that they had laid out. And for it was them. a virtual draft too. It was supposed to be in Vegas, like on this giant boat or something too. So it was supposed to be a total party. It was supposed and, to be fun, yeah. but I'm not gonna lie. It was it was kind of it was kind of lame, and I think a lot of people have that that a similar opinion. But I'm really excited to see in person NFL draft tonight. And like you said, I hope it's just absolute chaos i just hope there are trades all over the place and that these these top four quarterbacks are just all over the place just going going every which way as far as like the the broncos and the patriots and in atlanta are concerned you know you could see you could see trades moving left and right i'm really excited to see how it all works out tonight and you can actually catch it here on espn 1067 following the drive which is right after us at 6 p.m uh starting at 6 p.m all the way to the end of the first uh, couple of rounds we will be we will be uh, streaming that here on ESPN 106.7. We'll actually be covering every single pick of the NFL draft. We'll be covering it tomorrow. Uh, then I believe it's the second and third round. It'll also start at 6. And then at 11 a.m. on Saturday, we will be covering the last uh, few rounds, rounds 4 through 7. So be looking forward to that. You, should, you, you have so much lined up for you if you're listening to ESPN 106.7 over the next three days because you've got us you've got the drive then you've got draft for the next two days and then you've got draft coverage on the weekend it's going to be awesome yeah i mean there's a lot there's a lot to be excited about i mean you got so much draft coverage it's my favorite time of the year uh, i said it before uh, like i love draft day it's it's the best there's so much to talk about but i mean it's, it's great like where like everybody was kind of certain going into yesterday that mac jones is going to go number three to the 49ers now you're sitting there thinking maybe it's trey lance where does that what does that leave for mac jones does he end up a New England Patriot. Real quick, we were discussing this off air. I wanted to ask you if Atlanta wants to trade out of that four spot, who do you see taking that pick and drafting a potential quarterback? I can see the Patriots doing that right. uh, because they're they're kind of at a need to get somebody for the future. I could see someone maybe like the Broncos, who for all extents and purposes, they've said that they're kind of open to trading Drew Locke. And if you have a guy like Teddy Bridgewater who's there, he's not the future answer, but he can be a bridge guy. You can go up and get a match. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. You could go and get a guy. Maybe the Bears trade up. Or, I mean, like those are probably the three that stick out to me that I would say, you know, they could trade up and probably get a quarterback. So we'll be right back on the other side of this break. Probably going to continue our draft coverage. Uh, we'll eventually get to Sting and let him do some behind enemy baselines. We'll be right back, okay? Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You are on the line with Levi Fitzwater, Lance Daw, and intern Sting, ESPN 1067, Fox Sports, Central Alabama 98.3. We still want to hear from you. 
334-321-1390. It's been heavy. We talked about draft. We talked about Auburn football. We talked about Tim Tebow in 2021. We have been just talking about everything. But we want to talk to you. We want you to talk. 334-321-1390. Tell us what is on your mind. We're going to step away from the draft coverage that we've been doing because, you know, I get a little too excited. Noah's not here, so I'm just talking draft. But we will bring it back in and talk some baseball because we do have behind enemy lines for the last time with Intern Sting. I love the start of this. <laughs> I like it. I, oh, I, yes. I love the helicopter rotors. All right, so Auburn is playing Georgia this weekend on the road. It's No, no. Yeah, yeah, it's on the road. It's on the it's road. It's in Athens. Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> So Georgia right now is having a pretty good season. They're ranked about as high as number 20 in, I believe it's the D1 baseball poll. A 26-14 record, and they're 9-9 nine and nine in the SEC. They're coached by Scott Strickland, who's in his eighth season at Georgia with a 229-174 record at the school. And they actually had a few rough couple of years with him at first, but since then, in, in the latter half of his career with them, they've been a two-time regional host, and they've made the regional finals, but have not reached the Super Regionals on a season with him. A little series history. Auburn leads the all-time series against Georgia 149, 134, and 3. So another kind of surprising, I, I felt like, a bit of a surprising lead in the series. Auburn led the all-time series with Florida, I think. And in the last meeting, UGA won series 2-1 to one in Auburn back in 2019. Of course, we didn't have SEC play in the 2020 season. Um, yeah, a couple of quick stats here. Actually, Georgia is kind of on the uptick there. So they're 9-9 in the SEC, but they've won the last three series in conference play. The first series on that streak was against then number one Vanderbilt. They beat them two out of three times in Nashville. Impressive. It's really yeah, impressive. Very impressive. And they had some really good pitching lines from those two wins, too. I'll talk about those in a second. But uh, they've won three straight ACC series. Like I said, two of those were on the road. Of course, Vanderbilt. Another one was Missouri on the road, and they also beat Kentucky at home. And Georgia is scoring 5.9 runs per game on the season. And they're also 7-3 and three in games decided by one run and 3-0 and oh in extra innings. That does not look good for Auburn. No, it does not, right? Because Auburn is like 0-whatever oh in whatever in one-run games. I think know they have one or two one-run wins I think they this played, season. I think they played 18 games where they, they've, they've, the, the, the final score has been by one run or two runs, and they've lost 15 of them. Yeah, I, I believe that, actually. <laughs> yeah, because all, all the games in Florida were, uh, the Florida series were decided by two runs. I think all of them in Alabama were decided by one run. You, th- you would think at some point that you would start to win some of those games, and you would think that a 15, or a 15 losses out of 18 games uh, would be borderline impossible, but Auburn has just continued to find a way to fall apart, and this bullpen... We 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 know the storylines, man. We we know we know how bad this bullpen can be, and we just need them to kind of kind of get it going against Georgia. I had no faith uh, for Auburn against Florida. I, I had no faith that they would potentially sweep. Or I had faith that 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 Auburn would would get swept, and then Auburn actually win a game. So I have I have higher expectations than I've seen them win another SEC game. Yeah, for sure. And then a couple of quick players to watch here. We've got right fielder Connor Tate, who has reached base in 20 straight games for the Bulldogs. And he's one of the best batters in the SEC. He's got three, a 352 batting average in league play and has hit nine home runs on the season, seven of which have come in conference play. And he leads the entire SEC in hits with 56 hits this season. Ooh. So dangerous hitter there sitting in right field for Georgia. And the next player I got is first baseman Chaney Rogers. In the last three games, he's got a 538 batting average, four extra base hits, 
four runs scored and five runs batted in. That's so lot. lots, lots of lot. lots of big hitting going on right now for sure. As Georgia seemed to really kind of find their momentum, what with beating Vanderbilt and on a three game or not three game three series streak right now. And the last player to watch, guys, right-hand pitcher Ben Harris. In league play, he has a 3-0 record, 2.2 ERA, and has allowed a .057 batting average against batters he's faced. He has 30 strikeouts to six walks and 16 innings pitched. Hmm. That's nice. Yeah. Well, we definitely did our research on behind I did. I, 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 I got I all it. that. I, I, got, I got two more things, just a little X-Factor. So I, have, I have two X-Factor players, and they're two starting pitchers for Georgia. Left-hand pitcher Ryan Webb and right-hand pitcher Jonathan Cannon. They are projected to be the game one and two starters this weekend. And their last great series was against Vanderbilt. They kind of teamed up to really shut down Vanderbilt's offense. It was really impressive, I believe, in the two games that they won or that they – got the wins in. Vanderbilt only had three runs total in those two games. Hmm. They combined for 22 strikeouts, one walk, and one run allowed in their two starts against Vanderbilt. Wow. Yeah. However, they have both struggled since. Ever since those games they played against uh, Vanderbilt, they ha- they've really struggled. Webb has lost his last two starts. Uh, Cannon ha- has not recorded a loss, but his line has not been great either they've allowed a combined 15 runs in their two starts against kentucky and missouri mm, that is not that, what a turnaround yeah wow. so can they get back to form like they were against vanderbilt and really shut down auburn's bats or will they continue to struggle and create some opportunities and we'll just have to see about that sting thank you again for going behind enemy baselines we are about to head to the phone lines real quick we got a caller on the line here i caught the last name miss stevens i did not catch your first name i do apologize who am i speaking to today Hello? Yes, ma'am. We are on the line. Oh, Can yeah. You... Hey, yes. hey, sorry. Sorry about that. No, you're um, perfectly fine. My name's name Susan. Um, I wanted to talk about Tim Hudson. Um, do I hear that there, if something doesn't change that he might have to go? Do you really think it's his coaching, or do you think it's because we've had all the injuries? I, I just don't know what the problem is. I, I, I went to school when Tim was there playing, and he was an excellent player, and I, I just – I don't know what's the problem. Let me say something about this coaching staff uh, real quick. I think if Auburn has the ability to make it to the Super Regionals uh, with, with what I believe is, is, is average talent, maybe a little bit above average talent, I think they, they, there's no reason to panic as far as Butch Thompson and Tim Hudson are concerned. I think there's no reason to go ahead and start calling for their heads. Um, I think the, this coaching staff is really talented. I think Auburn's got some good hitting coaches. I think uh, Butch Thompson is a fantastic baseball coach. So I think it's definitely more of the injuries, and I think it's more – it's just the bullpen's just not been able to fi- find their rhythm this season. They're, they're incredibly inexperienced, in my opinion. They've been very young. And then those, those top guys that Auburn's had in their rotation have just, just have in- had injuries. Jack Owen, Richard Fitz have not been able to kind of return to form. We've seen, the, we've seen them go out there and play really well, but we've not seen them do it consistently, and I believe it's injury. So I don't think, I don't think there's any reason to be calling for Tim Hudson's job right now. I definitely think it's just going to be a, a development thing for these pitchers and, and this team moving forward. I think this team's going to be really good next season, and if this bullpen improves at all, then they're going to be a fantastic baseball team next year. Okay, that's what I was wondering. I just, this is probably one of the worst years I've seen in, in ages, and uh you know, it's kind of concerning because I mean, are we not recruiting? Are we not getting people? I, I know we're competing against a lot of people, and I guess you know that's kind of my concern. But thank you for taking my call. 
Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Susan, for calling in. I I do agree. I think it, it has been a, a lackluster year for pitching, and I don't think it has any lack of doing with the recruiting aspect. I think they have gotten some guys in here, but then you look at it and you have injuries that have occurred throughout the season. That's going to derail you. And then some guys who have just flat out been underwhelming, like a Richard Fitz, who you expected to step up a lot this year, and he didn't. And that and that sometimes like one guy who doesn't come to what you expect him to be can kind of derail your entire pitching set. And I don't think it's necessarily recruiting either because you see Auburn out there in the transfer portal yeah. as well getting guys like Tyler Miller, who are one of the better hitters in the country, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but I don't think it's recruiting. I don't think it's this coaching staff. I think it's injuries. And just Auburn's just in a funk this year, and I think they'll pull out of it. I think it's very similar to the basketball team. They've got so much talent and so much potential. They just didn't have guards that could get them through it. I think you give these t- guys time to develop. You give this coaching staff time. And, you know, last season with COVID, it was just kind of weird transitioning into, okay, we got to start playing baseball again with some of these new guys. We're trying to figure out a new bullpen. You just got to give it time. With all three of Auburn's major programs right now, Auburn major athletic programs, baseball, basketball, and football, it's all about giving these guys time. Basketball is probably going to peak quicker than the other two are going, or other two sports are, but it's just all about being patient and something that Auburn fans are not necessarily good at uh, based off of what we've seen in football these last uh, 10 or 10 or so years, but just we just got to give it time. I think this baseball team has the potential to be very good next season. Yeah, and I agree. It's not like it's not for a lack of recruiting, and I don't think it's a lack of coaching either. I just think that there have been some external factors or internal factors as well. There's things that have happened that you really don't plan on. You don't really anticipate injuries to happen. You don't really anticipate guys because, like, you look at when you're recruiting and getting guys into whatever sport it is. You kind of have a plan. Like you bring player a in and you think player a should be ready to start day one this guy or player a should be ready to start in a year or two we've got this guy who is really good at the position that he plays he's ahead of him he'll be here for another two years this guy's going to step in when he's gone and then sometimes things happen sometimes you have guys that are sitting behind a guy transfer out sometimes they never develop or sometimes they develop but not as far along as you thought and that kind of shifts, and that kind of what is what it feels more like with Auburn from the baseball side this year. You just kind of felt like pitching never really got going as we've come to expect from the past few years. Like we we've expected them, we expected pitching to be, you know, kind like we kind of expected it to be a strong suit. We were more worried about them hitting because that has right. been the trend. And it, it honestly just never kind of came around. Right. Sting, did you find any uh, really cool names? Were you able to? Because you said that you, there were uninteresting names on both sides. but Yeah, not really. I mean, I found a uh, Josh Stinson, which I kind of like just because I'm a fan of How I Met Your Mother. Right, right. Uh, there was another one, uh, Jonathan Cannon. I mentioned him as a X Factor. But, you know, I like like the last name Cannon, but not really. Not not anything, once again, like Zebulon Vermillion from Arkansas. Really Man. really got the best draw on the first time out yeah, there. We'll never, we'll never find another gem nope. quite like that. Never. Not not at all. Yeah, that was definitely the gem of the interesting names. That was definitely the gem of those. Like, the Zebulon Vermillion, you cannot get better than that in terms of just out there names for baseball players. Man, today's show went by fast. We got one more segment left before we wrap up on the line. Definitely going to talk about draft to close it out. You know I've been waiting for it. We'll see you on the other side of the break. On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. 
You are on the line with Levi Fitzwater, Lance Daw, and intern Sting. Wrapping up the show today with our last segment. We don't have what's on TV tonight queued up for you, but I can go ahead and tell you it's the NFL draft. That's what's on TV tonight. That's what you should be <laughs> watching. I don't know what else is on TV tonight because honestly, I, I, I don't I care. Yeah, I don't care either. Don't and care. if you're not watching it on television tonight, make sure to stay tuned following the drive that ends at 6 p.m. right here on ESPN 106.7 because we will have every single pick of the first round for you. Again, following the drive, make sure to stay tuned for that. Yeah, and I mean, it, it was, I mean, there, there's a lot. And you can also, tomorrow, you can check in tomorrow afternoon and listen on 96.3 W Lee to Auburn High School Baseball. We talked with Scott Bagwell earlier today as well. You can listen to Auburn High School Baseball take on Baker in the playoffs as well. But yeah, we're going to wrap up our show with Draft Talk, as we have been doing. And I just wanted to pose a question to the room. Will an NFL team draft a running back in the first round? Who? Yes. And I agree. The question is, is who, Najee Harris. who is that? T- well, I, th- I think the Steelers are getting out. I think That's Harris I think so is going to go. I agree. But the, I don't. Mm, do, do the Steelers need a running back? They, that their bad? run game isn't great. I don't. So the way I see it is, I don't think they do. But there are reports out that they really like Najee Harris. So I think they'll draft him. But I think they're fine because, I mean, James Conner left. But you got Run AMC and Anthony McFarland out of Maryland, who is great. Benny mm-hmm. Snell from Kentucky. I think those guys could really pop off but the problem is the other thing with harris is the extra dimensions that he gives you he can be a really reliable pass catcher and he's Le'Veon bell yeah he's a guy who fits that Le'Veon bell role that they haven't had problem is that steelers typically don't draft running backs too high the last time they did i think was in 2008 when they drafted richard mendenhall out of illinois he was juice williams running partner shout out to noah for loving juice williams so much yeah, I think he goes in the first round um, just simply for the fact that I think the Steelers like him a lot. If the Steelers don't get him, maybe the Dolphins in a late-round pick with their actual pick, not the the one they have from the Texans. Other than that, Ugh. I just don't see it. I mean, I'm I'm the anti-take-running-back guy because you can find an Alvin Kamara late. You can find an Antonio mm-hmm. Gibson late. Mm-hmm. You can find a uh, big-game James Robinson late. Like, And they're not going to last. No, they like, just aren't. You're, yeah, you're just going to have to keep retreading tires. I mean, you look at it, Saquon and Christian McCaffrey, probably the two of the best running backs in the league, they're hurt every year. Like, you have mm-hmm. to. Unless you're Frank Gore, you're not going to survive more than 10 years in this <laughs> that league. That guy is not human. Frank Gore's going to be not. running, he's going to be running split back sets with his son in a few years. <laughs> <laughs> Who's currently at Southern Miss right now, I believe, if I'm uh, not mistaken. Uh, looks Travis, just like his dad. Travis Etienne in, in CBS's mock draft is taken at pick 23 for the Jets and then right after that they have Najee going to the Steelers. I mean, I can see I can see ETN uh go going in the first round. I could also see him dropping to the 30th pick to the Bills. Um I just I just don't see I don't see more than one running back being taken within this first round reasonably. I don't think outside of that there's there's a lot of power at that running back spot this year. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think it's Javante Williams, Etienne, and Najee Harris. Like, those are the three guys who I think are solid and at the Michael top. And Michael Carter, I, but yeah, and my Carter. I do really like the guy out of Memphis. Uh, I think it's Gainwell is his last name. I think he's one of those guys that I was talking about where you could find him. You could stumble upon him in like the fourth or fifth round. The next thing you know, you have a guy like Antonio Gibson coming in there. Who, like, I think uh, if you can look, there is a video of Gainwell pass blocking with Micah Parsons coming in. The guy, the linebacker out of Penn State, just absolutely leveling him in the pass block, and I, I get excited seeing things like that because that matters a lot more mm-hmm. in the NFL game than it does in the college game. But yeah, 
guys like that could uh, could go along. And Lance, I think you said you had some some questions for me. Yes, yeah, actually, on going one. off the Micah Parsons thing, I have some true or falses here I want to run through with y'all real quick. Starting off with Parsons, is he the best overall player in the in the defensive player in this in this NFL draft? No, I don't think no, so. False. I think I think the best player is Patrick Sertain or J.C. Horn. I think one of those two guys are a little bit better. Micah Parsons is a good athlete. He might, I mean, he might end up having a better career. Who knows? Depends on where you go. But I value Sertain. I value J.C. Horn just a little bit more. And obviously Caleb Farley as well, if he's healthy. Speaking of better career, true or false, Trevor Lawrence will have the most successful career out of all the quarterbacks in this entire draft class. I think so. And I think he's just too talented not to. And I think that's like you can get a guy like Trey Lance or maybe even Mac Jones or Justin Fields who goes to the 49ers who might could win immediately because that roster is so much better than Jacksonville's is right now. But I think Trevor Lawrence, he's he's just too polished, and we've seen it at every level. I think he might struggle earlier on than most of these guys, but when it's all said and done, I think he'll have the best career, and I think he'll probably end up with a couple of Pro Bowl selections, probably end up being if he, – if he reaches his ceiling, he'll be a Hall of Fame type of guy. If he reaches his ceiling, I want to make sure that that's clear, he could be a Hall of Fame type of player. So if Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback in this draft class – True or false, does Zach Wilson deserve to be quarterback number two? Yes, 100%. 100%. He's, he deserves it. He throws the ball with so much anticipation. He's got the arm strength to make a lot of throws. Uh, Noah, yeah. Noah always likes to argue that he's a guy who hasn't really played through much adversity, hasn't played through a lot of uh, That's tough competition. What, that, that concerns me. That's why I'm not sure how well he's going to do, just because he hasn't played against great competition. But I, you're right, he has the raw tools i think a yeah. lot of people are pointing at that coastal carolina game and how he was he just he couldn't lead him to a win against a group of and, five school and i understand that coastal was really good but and that's and that's fair like that's a fair assumption when i look at quarterbacks i never look at who they played i look at were you making the throws more or less because once you get to the nfl that's what wins you games right. and i'm watching him play inferior competition and there are throws that he's making that are on the professional level when you have guys who are making comeback routes and you're throwing it about two seconds before they've even broken off their route, mm-hmm. and they turn around and the ball is right there on them because he throws it with such good anticipation. And they don't have to slow down at all. There's that yeah, clip and of him so making he's, that throw. He's playing, yeah. body. he's playing the position well. He's just not he's not been able to get that opportunity against really good college yeah. teams. And also, I mean, you got to think BYU's team around him really wasn't that talented. So like, you can't yeah. knock him for like you can have the most talented quarterback in the country. It's still not going to work out if you know like you don't have talent around you. Josh Allen, he was an MVP candidate this year. And Wyoming was never really that good when he was there. Let's see if we can get one more in here real quick. True or false, J.C. Horn will be the first cornerback picked in this draft tonight. I don't think so. I think it's still certain. I I still think he's the better guy. I think he comes out. The only way I can see J.C. Horn becoming the first guy off is if someone who falls in love with J.C. Horn trades above the Cowboys because I think the Cowboys are kind of locked into certain where they're at. There are reports that the Saints want to trade up into the top 10 to get a cornerback. So, like, I don't know what that means. I know they're kind of liking Caleb Farley, but I think Caleb Farley will probably drop lower than the 10 yeah, because I of think, everything around him. I think he might him. be falling out of the, first, out of the first round. They keep saying with all these back surgeries. I mean, yeah. maybe somebody will pull As the a, trigger. He but. might be there when the Saints pick lower in the draft in the 20s. So, like, I, I don't think if you trade up that high, you're getting him. So, I think it would be Sertain or J.C. Horn, and you have that Joe Horn connection already in New Orleans. I could see them if they trade up to try to get a guy like J.C. Horn. 
I still think it's her chain, though, when it's all said and done. Who's going to be the first guy picked? Okay, real quick, let's get one more in here. One more. Is is Kyle Trask a top five quarterback in this draft class? I don't even have him as like a top seven or eight. Like, I I like David Mills. I I like David Mills out of Stanford or Stanford. I like Jamie Newman a little bit better. I'd rather just really? pick I'd rather pick a guy like Sam Ellinger late and just have him as a running an option type of style with Taysom Hill, like Taysom Hill coming off the bench. He just provides a little bit more. Kyle Trask, I don't like him. I wouldn't draft him. And that was another great show, guys, with On the Line. Catch us back tomorrow. You know where to find us. We'll see you guys tomorrow.